All right, we're gonna jump right in. You can see that we've, uh, we've got props today, so um, we're gonna have to cook to get you guys out before the next crowd comes in in, the, in an hour or so. I'm just kidding, I can't talk for an hour. Uh, but we're really excited about this series. We're going through the book of Acts and learning how the church is a moving story. It's a story of the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is about how the Holy Spirit moves through the church to advance the kingdom of God. And we've started uh, this series sort of taking a look at how the church begins to live out the Great Commission. The Great Commission, uh, you may have heard that phrase, but it refers to Jesus's final words to his disciples before he ascended. And you can find that in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And essentially he told them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I will be with you always. That's, that's the Great Commission. And the book of Acts is sort of showing how the church begins to fulfill that. And so in the first week, we talked about uh, the mission of the church is, is to go. And so Jesus told him, you're going to be my witnesses in Acts 1.8. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then they, be, they begin to do that. And then um, in Acts 2, uh, Andy did a great job of kind of opening that up to us last week and talking about how the Holy Spirit enters the scene and empowers uh, the believers to boldly proclaim the gospel and lives are changed and the church uh, be begins to baptize people into Christ. Um, so we've got go, baptize, and then the next part of the Great Commission is teach them to obey, teach them to obey. So that's what we're gonna dive into today. And this is all foundational. And so these first three messages of, of Acts are foundational and they equip us to, to do what comes next. And so just to give you a heads up, there are some difficult things uh, that are part of church life. Uh, it's, not, it's not all easy. It's not, it's not all roses and as, as we, we sort of face today in our, in our community. Life, life is not just easy just because we follow Jesus. And so these first three messages about embracing the power of the Holy Spirit to go baptize and obey are gonna set the stage for what's coming in the next two weeks. We're gonna talk about two issues that the church faces and has always faced. It will be comforting for you to know that the church has always faced challenges. And uh, two of those challenges that we see in the book of Acts are prejudice and conflict. And so in the next two weeks, uh, we're gonna be talking about those two challenges and how the church was able to address prejudice and conflict because they were uh, founded on these practices of going, baptizing, and obeying, okay? So that's where we're going in the next couple weeks. So buckle up, it's gonna be exciting. I think one uh, area that most, most people in life uh, struggle with, we, we find anxiety with, is understanding what our role is in a given, in a given scenario or a given uh, relationship. And so we, we all function in many different roles in, in our lives, right? Some of you are parents, and so you have a role as a, as a mom or a dad. And um, what I'm learning and, and what many of you have already learned is that as your kids grow and age and mature, your role as a parent changes. And how you interact and how you guide and how you parent changes as your kids as your kids get older. And so some of, the, some of the difficulty, the challenge for me is learning like, how do I change my, in my role as a parent as my kids grow and mature? And it's difficult to know like, when, when do I let go of this and how long do I hold on to this? And uh, that changing role is difficult. Some of you are married. If you're married, then your, your role as a, as a husband or a wife 
Um, it, sometimes it's difficult for us to know exactly what, what is my role? What is my responsibility as a husband? Um, and how do, I, how do I fulfill that? Am I, am I supposed to always do the dishes when she cooks? Or are there times when I can be like, all right, hey, look, that's, you know, I've five nights in a, in a row now. Maybe it's your turn. Like, I, what is my role? And, and it can be difficult and it can create anxiety and, and conflict. And a lot of our, a lot of our anxiety in, in our relationships are, are about um, a misunderstanding or a miscommunication about what our our roles are. Maybe this is true in your job, in your, in your work. You are either an employee or you're an employer, and sometimes understanding how to live out that role can be really challenging. So this is true for us in the church as well. And in, in the church, uh, what, what is our role? You, you are just, you're just sitting here in a pew, and, and you may feel like you don't have a role. Your job is just to show up and be here, and the role is for the, the guy on stage, the people on stage. They are the ones that have a responsibility. But as we look through the book of Acts, the story of the Holy Spirit moving through the church to advance the kingdom, that's not really true. Every individual has a role. What is your role in the kingdom of God? And understanding what's your part and what's God's part, that that can be challenging. And And it can cause some of us to either, so sometimes what we do is we either... We either overperform, and so we, we take responsibility for things that are not our responsibility, and, and that will create conflict and, and anxiety and relationship issues between us and between us and God. Or we underperform, and we, we back off, and we don't take responsibility for things that actually God has put on our plate, because we don't know what those things are. We assume somebody else is going to do it. It's somebody else's job. Somebody's getting paid for that, so why should I do it? And that will create, that, that will just put us in a place where we're not making a significant contribution. We're not stepping into our, our role in the kingdom. So as we look through Acts chapters three and four today, we're gonna cover two chapters, that's right. So uh, again, hopefully you're, you're prepared to move quickly. So Acts three and four, we're gonna see how uh, the role, the partnership, the idea is there's a partnership between the people of God and the spirit of God to do the work of the kingdom. And this partnership is what, makes the church effective at its mission, uh, enables the spirit of God to change lives and the church to transform communities. It's this partnership between the people of God and the spirit of God. So it's really important that we understand our role in this. So we start with Acts 2. I said we're going to cover 3 and 4, but we're going to start in 2, 2.42 to 47, and uh, just read through this um, quickly and see uh, how the church really got started. Andy touched on some of this last week. Um, you're going to hear some similarities between what I say today and if you were paying attention to Andy's message last week. So I'm just going to kind of steal most of his stuff and break it down a little bit for you. Uh, Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, if you were looking for it, you can see this partnership between the people of God and the Spirit of God just right there in bold print on uh, this page. This is the people of God doing things. They're, they're not passive. They're not just sitting back and waiting for God to show up. They're doing things, right? And then the spirit of God is doing things and he's doing things that people can't do. And, and this partnership leads to 
What we see in the last verse is the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The church is growing. People are becoming followers of Jesus because of what's happening. And so what, what is it that the people are doing? So first, first thing that they're doing is they're, they're obeying. Um, and this is what Jesus told uh, the disciples that they're, they're going to do when they go about the Great Commission, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. So what, what did Jesus command? Well, there, there, isn't there books? Aren't there just books full of commands of Jesus? Isn't that like a lot to try to remember and, and obey? Well, Jesus did us a favor. He boiled it down to two commands. So teach them to obey all I've commanded you. And here are the two commands that you really, these are, it's, if you do these two things, you'll, you'll be fine. So what are the two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, everything comes after those two. If you do those two things, you'll be, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll, you'll be in uh, the Father's will. You'll be living by the Spirit. You'll be a Jesus-centered person if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what are the people doing? So what are the, some of the things? What, would, what do we see them doing in Acts 2? Uh, 42 through 47. Well, they're, they're, they're praying together, right? Um, that's, that's part of their loving God and loving people. They are studying scripture. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. So that, that's part of their loving God and respecting his word and listening to him. Um, they are devoted to fellowship. And fellowship, um, when I grew up in the church, fellowship meant the meal that you have <clears throat> after church when everybody sticks around and brings their, their jello casseroles. Um, <clears throat> If you haven't experienced Jell-O casserole, by the way, some of you are like, that's not a thing. No, it is. And if you haven't experienced it, you should. Um, that was, to us, that was fellowship. It was the meal that you have after church. <clears throat> but in the, in the first century in the Greek world, fellowship went, went, went much deeper than that. Fellowship was shared life. It was, you're, you're, you're living life with people. You're doing life with people in community. So they devoted themselves to prayer, the apostles' teaching, to this community. <clears throat> and the breaking of bread. Uh, which is honor, honoring God, honoring Christ through, through communion. And then you see generosity show up too. They're, they're selling their possessions and they're giving to everyone who has need. So those are the main things. They are worshiping together, praying, studying scripture together. They're developing deep community and they are demonstrating great generosity to each other. So that's what it looked like to obey. So that's, 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 that's our part, right? <clears throat> we can do that. God's not going to obey for us, is he? That's not, that's not how a good father works, right? If you give your kids a chore in the house, so my, my kids have chores, one of them is to unload the dishwasher. And uh, if, if my child doesn't unload the dishwasher and I just do it for him every time that he doesn't do it is, it, is that good parenting? Is that teaching him responsibility? Is that empowering him to contribute to the family? No. So there are occasions that I will do it for him, but um, typically not. And uh, that, that I feel like he needs to, and so that's how God treats that. He's given us this responsibility. He's not gonna do these things for us. We have a responsibility and we need to step into that. So what happens when we step into that? So what happens in Acts chapter three is, um, if you can follow along, I'm just gonna kind of uh, paraphrase this story. Peter and John <clears throat> are on their way to the temple to pray. That, that's really important that we understand where, where they're going and why they're going there. They're going to the temple to pray. So people who lived in Jerusalem and had access to the temple every day, this was a common thing. They would go a couple times a day to the temple to pray. And so Peter and John are in the process of doing what? Obeying. And while they're in the process of obeying, they come across a man who's been lame um, from birth. He's, he's, he's there at the temple gates every day asking people for money because he can't, he can't work and support himself or his family. 
<clears throat> and so Peter and John come across this guy who's been there every, every day of his life asking for money. And he asked them for money. And they say, sorry, we don't have any money, but we actually have something better than money. And they tell him, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up. And the man stands up and he can walk for the first time in his life. And he's not just walking. I mean, scripture says he is walking and leaping and praising God. He is beyond excited that God has healed in him something that had been broken. And this is a demonstration of the power of God. So when people obey, there is a demonstration of the power of God. <clears throat> this, this just follows. They're on their way to pray. An opportunity presents themselves presents itself to be kind to someone and the power of God shows up. And Peter is abundantly clear as this story progresses that he did not heal this man. He said, this man was healed by the power of the name of Jesus. This is not Peter's power. That's not what's happening here. This is the power of Jesus demonstrated in the lives of people who were obeying. So there is a direct connection here. This is not an accident, the way this stuff is lined up in this story. They obey and the power of God shows up and does something amazing. And what God does, what, what the power of God typically does, what God is all about is healing what has been broken by the fall. God created the heavens and the earth in six days. He made it all, he made us. He looked at it, he said, it's good. It's all good. And then Adam and Eve sinned and sin and death enter the world and the world is broken. Creation is broken. The planet, the animals, the people were broken and disease and death and evil come into the world. And when God's power shows up, it is setting right the things that were broken by the fall. This man who was lame, his body wasn't working the way God created his body to work and he set it right. He made it right. So the power of God shows up and then, and then what happens? <clears throat> People hear that this man who had been at the temple, begging for money every day of his life. People here, the, the temple was a crowded place constantly. There were just always people there. It was, it was very public and very uh, busy. And word travels really quickly that this man who had been lame from birth is now healed and whole and walking and leaping and praising God. So the crowd gathers around to see how did this happen? How could this possibly, is this true? And how did, how did it possibly happen? And Peter and John see a crowd and uh, they, they had to just have the preacher DNA because a preacher sees a crowd and what, are they, what is he gonna do? He's gonna preach. And so Peter and John see a crowd and they begin to proclaim the gospel. They begin to tell people the good news that Jesus Christ died for their sins and rose from the dead. So the the power of the Spirit shows up, and the opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed is presented, and they step into it. They don't miss it. They do not miss this opportunity to proclaim the good news about Jesus. And this is a direct result of the demonstration of the power of God. When the Spirit shows up and does something that we cannot explain and we cannot understand, people's eyes are drawn to that. And that's when the door is open for us to show and tell the gospel in a clear, engaging, simple way. And this is a direct, this is a direct connection. This is the, the opportunity. I can't draw an arrow. I mean, it's not like I have to be an artist. It's, it's, it's really, that's close enough. All right, so th there's a direct connection here between the demonstration of the power of God and the opportunity to present the gospel. When God sets right things that are broken in the world, it is an open invitation for us 
to say, hey, here's, here's why this lame man was healed. This is where Peter starts his sermon. I did not heal this man. You need to understand, it was power of the name of Jesus. What's so great about Jesus? Well, only that he's the son of God and only that he lived a perfect life and only that he went to the cross for your sins and only that after he was executed, he rose from the dead on the third day to invite you into the kingdom. That's what's powerful about the name of Jesus. And he presents the gospel and he doesn't miss it. Now, after the gospel is presented, then there is an opportunity for people to respond. And people respond in all different kinds of ways to the gospel. So Peter and John preach. Some people like what they hear. And they say, you know what? I, I need to know more about this Jesus. Or, or if that's true, if Jesus really did die for my sins and rise from the dead and he invited me into his kingdom, then I want in. I want to be a part of that. That, that was the response of some people. Other people just said, eh, I don't buy it. I can't explain it, but I don't really, I, I, I'm not getting into this. I've got, I've got things to do. And then other people got really mad and said, you, you can't go around saying that, that some guy rose from the dead and he's the son of God and he's the Messiah. And you can't, you can't just go around saying those things. That really disrupts our whole system. The Messiah is not supposed to be like that. The Messiah is supposed to come and, and drive Rome out of Israel and sit on the throne of Jerusalem. And so you guys have got this all wrong. And they were really angry. So there's, there's, there's three different responses. There's acceptance. There is sort of this passive rejection that just says, eh, no thanks. And then there's this opposition, this active rejection that says, we, we actually want to oppose you. We want to shut you down. So Peter and John are arrested and they're brought before the religious leaders, and they're told to never speak of the name of Jesus again. Man, how far has Peter come from the night when Jesus was betrayed, and he's standing uh, within earshot of the trial, and he's accused of just knowing Jesus. Hey, don't you know Jesus? No way. I don't know that guy. And now the religious leaders who were the same people that were responsible for the death of Jesus, these are the people that sent Jesus to the cross are telling Peter, do not speak in his name. And his response, I can't help it. I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen. Jesus Christ changed my life. I will not, I cannot stop telling people about Jesus. It's not gonna happen. He just told them that and walked away. So uh, what happens from, from this message is that a few thousand more people join the church. And so after the gospel presentation, there's all these different responses, and I was told not to stand in front of the board, and I don't know how to do that and write. So uh, there we go. So um, people respond, and there is growth. The church grows as a result of the, the pr proclamation of the gospel. But we also understand growth wasn't the only response. There was also opposition. And I, I want to read this uh, passage from uh, Acts 4 because I think this is, this, is, this is a challenging kick in the gut to us whenever we face opposition in our own lives. So the people who sent Jesus to the cross are saying, we don't want you guys to do this. We, we actually want this, this whole Jesus follower thing just to go away. Um, and the church gathers to pray. When Peter and John come back and they say, hey, um, the religious leaders are really upset with us and they're, they're telling us to shut this down. So what do they do? They pray because, because they obey. Um, and and he, I, want you, I, want to, I want you to see this prayer. Acts uh, 4, 29. 
And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants. Let's pause. Just pretend like you can't see that. Don't look at the screen. So <clears throat> these are the people who can send uh, all these believers at least to jail and possibly to their deaths. Their lives are in danger because of the gospel. And their prayer is, how would you finish this prayer? God, you see the threats. You know that these people have authority. They have power to, to kill us. And so God, what we're asking for in this moment is what? How would you end that prayer? Protect us, right? That, isn't that the logical prayer? God, protect us from these people. Keep us safe. Keep our families safe. Please don't let any harm come to us because of the gospel. But that's not what they pray, is it? Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They did not prioritize their own comfort, safety, or convenience over the power of God to change lives. To me, friends, that is remarkable. That is a remarkable testimony to where we started. This is our roots. This is where we started as a church. They, they, didn't, they didn't ask God to protect their freedom or their rights or even their lives. They asked God to give them the boldness to continue to tell people how Jesus had changed their lives. Is that where we are? I don't know. We like our comfort, don't we? We like our preferences. We like our freedoms. I mean, we're Americans, right? That's what it's all about. We like our freedoms. We like our rights. And we certainly like our safety. Friends, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with praying for safety when you travel. But when we prioritize our comfort, our freedoms, our rights, our safety above the work of the kingdom of God, we've gotten it backwards. We're not being true to our roots and true to the Great Commission and our DNA as followers of Jesus. That's why I'm challenged by this passage. So what happens after this? They pray for boldness. The Holy Spirit shows up, shakes the room just to let them know, hey guys, I'm here. That's why the ground is shaking. <clears throat> and then uh, I'm gonna read this uh, closing section from Acts 4, 32 through 35. And now what I want you to look for is this. I want you to look for this pattern. I want you to look for the, the partnership between the people of God and the Spirit of God as we read through this together. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Did you see it? Did you see the partnership between the people of God and the Spirit of God? Do you see the things that the people are responsible for and they are doing? Their obedience and gathering and worship and generosity and proclaiming the gospel and the things that the Spirit is responsible for, demonstrating power and performing miracles and setting right what was broken by the fall, changing hearts. So this is where we need to understand what our role is and what God's role is. And we need to avoid the two extremes of overperforming, of trying to do God's part or underperforming and saying, none of this is my responsibility. I just want to show up at church every now and then 
throw my dollar in and check it off the list and call it good, right? We've got to avoid both of those extremes because we have to understand. So this, this is us right here. God's not going to obey for us, right? That's not what a good father does. He's given us responsibility. Our job is to obey. And obedience, as we see here, is we're going to pray together. We're going to study scripture together. We're going to develop deep community. We're going to get into each other's lives and live Jesus-centered lives together. We're going to worship together, and we're going to be generous. We're going to be recklessly generous to each other and to those who are in need. So that's our part. And then this is the Spirit, right? The Spirit demonstrates the power. We don't have the power to do what God can do. And so God does things through us that we could not do on our own. So Peter is the one who gets to grab this lame man by the hand and lift him up, but it's the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus that heals his legs, right? And so we don't need to get this mixed up. We don't have the power. I don't have any more power or access to God than you do. Like there's not this hierarchy where, you know, the, the, the preacher has all, I don't, have, I don't have any more access. My prayers are not more meaningful than yours. We have the same access to the Father, the same access to the Spirit, And when we obey, the spirit shows up and he heals and he sets right what was broken by the fall. He forgives sin. He restores relationships. That's what the spirit does. And then this is our part. Our part is to proclaim the gospel. God's not gonna do this for us. Again, it's our testimony. It's our story to say, I was changed when I gave my life to Jesus, when I recognized that he died for my sins and rose from the dead and invited me into his kingdom, I was changed by that. And it's my story. God's not gonna tell our story for us. He wants us to tell our story. And when, when, when the spirit shows up and demonstrates power, then we proclaim the gospel. And then this is God's part too. The spirit will handle how people respond. It is not our job to make people Believe in Jesus. The Spirit does that. The Spirit calls. The Spirit draws. The Spirit opens hearts. The Spirit changes lives. When we present the gospel in a faithful and clear and engaging way, now that is a responsibility. There are, there are good and engaging and, and effective ways to present the gospel, and there are some ineffective ways to present the gospel, Right? And we, when we do a good job, when, we, we, when we're clear, then we get to take our hands off of it and go, all right, God, the results are up to you. Whether people respond to this favorably or not is up to you. And we should not be surprised when people do not respond favorably to the gospel because the gospel is a tension-filled message. The gospel says you are a sinner and you have no hope of escaping the penalty of your sin outside of Jesus. That is a tension-filled message. And we should not be surprised when people don't respond favorably to that. But we should also not be surprised when people say, you know what? This is exactly what I've been looking for. This is exactly what I need. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need meaning attached to my life because I know I'm, I'm created in the image of God to be a part of this kingdom of, of setting right what was broken by the fall. Like that's what I'm, that's what I'm made for. So we shouldn't be surprised when people respond favorably either. And we shouldn't take it personally and we shouldn't get mad at the people who, uh, who, who reject and we, and, we, and we shouldn't take credit for the people who accept. This is all the work of the Spirit. Our job is this, obey and proclaim the gospel. So here's, here's what I want you to think about. Um, this, is a, this is a golf ball in a flower pot. You see this all the time. Don't act like it's weird. <coughs> 
so what we get to do, what our obedience and our proclaiming of the gospel does is tease the Holy Spirit up. So if you and I went to go play golf and our goal was to get the best possible score, uh, and I'm gonna say that uh, most of you in here, uh, even those of you who have never held one of these in your hand, are probably better at golf than me, okay? So if I were to take a swing at this, all of you would be safe because the ball's not going out there. It's, it's going over there or, or up there, who knows? But I couldn't hurt you with this, I, not if I tried. So what we would do is if I were playing golf with, with you or, you know, let's, let's pick somebody who I know is, this, Paul Settles, Paul's a good golfer. If I were playing golf and our goal was to get the best possible score, my job would be to put the ball on the tee for Paul. That's, that's it, that's all I would do. And then I would go and find wherever he hit it and I would make sure that, that you know, he had room to hit it again. That would be my job because that's what I'm gonna be good at. I'm not gonna be good at striking the ball. So our obedience tees up the Holy Spirit to do what he does, but we have to do the job. We have to tee him up because if the Holy Spirit is ready to go and there's no ball teed up, then, then nothing's gonna happen. So my question to you is, how are you teeing up the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the power of God? Oh, this is a nice pointer, but dangerous. How are you teeing up the Holy Spirit in your life to demonstrate the power of God that change hearts and lives? So the question is, are you being obedient? to the things that we know we're supposed to do, the things we know are on our plate? Are you obedient in prayer? What's your prayer life like? Are you, are you diving in regularly to a prayer that models the Lord's prayer where he said, here's how we start. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, not mine. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. Or is your prayer mostly about, God, please for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. What's your prayer life like? Are you, are you obedient in prayer? Are you obedient in studying scripture together? I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. You should read scripture on your own at home every single day. And then you need to get together with other Jesus followers and talk about what you're reading. I, that's, for me, that's where the real change in growth takes place is when I talk about what I'm reading with others. Are you faithful to developing deep Christian community with other believers to what they called fellowship but went far beyond jello casserole? Like they got into each other's lives. Are you willing to do that? and have accountability and be transparent and open with people? Are you devoted to worship? Are you consistent in, in gathering with the church family to, to praise God together? And are you generous? Like those are just the basics. Like if we're obedient in those things, we should absolutely expect the power of God to show up. It's like if a, if a tour bus pulled up right out here outside the church and people started getting out with musical instruments and speakers and microphones, what do we think's gonna happen? Music, somebody's about to play some music. If a group of Christians gather together and they pray and they study scripture and they worship and they build community and they're generous, what should we expect to happen? The power of the Holy Spirit is gonna show up and demonstrate God's love and grace and change hearts and lives. So how are you teeing up the Holy Spirit in your life? So those are just the basics. Then we could, we could get a little more personal and we could start talking about how are you teeing up the Holy Spirit to demonstrate power in your marriage? Husbands, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? Wives, are you loving your husbands? How, how are we doing this in our parenting? Parents, are you, are you equipping your children to fall deeply in love with Jesus? We're, we're going far beyond behavior modification. Like, that's sort of the goal of parents. Like, don't embarrass me in public, right? Isn't that kind of like our, our hope and dream? We gotta go way beyond that. Are you equipping your kids? When we equip our kids to pray, study scripture together, 
to get involved in community, to worship and be generous, we are teeing up the Holy Spirit to work powerfully through our kids and to demonstrate God's love and grace in their world. God's power is not limited to adults. He can work through children and young people just as well. well how are we doing as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles? Are we, are we teeing up the Holy Spirit to work in their lives? How are you doing this at, at work in your job? Do you go about your job in a way that tees up the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the power of God, to open doors for you to share the good news about Jesus? What does this look like in your neighborhood? What kind of neighbor are you? Are you the quiet neighbor that you pull into the garage, you shut the garage, no one sees you? Are you, are you the, the loud, obnoxious, annoying neighbor that's mowing your grass at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning? Like, what kind of neighbor are you? Are you a neighbor that is teeing up the Holy Spirit because of the way you love the people who live near you? You're loving them in a way that tees up the Holy Spirit to demonstrate power, to heal what was broken, and to open a door for you to present the gospel. Friends, we, we know that God has power, amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's power can change lives? Do you believe that the gospel can turn people upside down in the best possible way? And do you believe that you have a role to play in that happening? That's the part where we kind of go, I don't know. Hey, take a look at the early church. It's unquestionable that the Holy Spirit responds to the obedience of the disciples. He opens doors for the gospel. And when the gospel is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit absolutely changes lives. We have a part to play. We have a role in this. We got to see this firsthand here in our church family here in the last month or so. A young man named Thomas came to us at rock bottom. Had nothing, had no hope, not much of a future, no connection with Jesus. And some faithful followers got into his life and prayed with him, opened scripture with him, were generous to him, and the Holy Spirit showed up and began to set him free from things that had been holding him back his whole life. And last week, he was baptized into Christ because the gospel was proclaimed to him in a clear and engaging way. And he's, he's living this out. So this is why this is a circle because now Thomas is a part of this. He's working to learn how to obey everything that God put on his plate, loving God with all his heart, loving his neighbor as himself. And now he gets to be a part of this too. He gets to see the Holy Spirit work right in front of him as a result of his obedience. This is not, this is not, this is not mythical. It's not fictional. It's not something that's locked into the, the first century and the, the book of the Bible this is here and now, and God works in the same way he did 2,000 years ago through the obedience of his followers. How are you teeing up the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Don't you wanna see life change, community transformation where you live? Friends, we need it. it you don't have to look very far to see there are people lost and broken How's it gonna happen? <clears throat> this partnership between the people of God and the spirit of God. We do our part, he'll do his part, and he will absolutely change our community. He'll change the people that you thought were hopeless, lost causes. He'll change them too. He'll change you through the process. Are you willing to obey? 
Let's, let's take this before the Father in prayer. Let's just close with this. I just want to invite you to pray with me um, that we'll be convicted about whatever our, our part is, wherever we're either overperforming and trying to do God's part or underperforming and not doing our part. Let's just lay this all before the Father and ask the Spirit to convict us and move us in a direction that's gonna allow us to participate in what God wants to do in his kingdom right in front of us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for inviting us into this partnership, God. You don't have to include us, um, but you do. You don't have to lend us your power. You don't have to embolden us, but you do. And it's an incredible invitation. And God, my prayer is that we would just be obedient. We would be faithful to the simple things that we know to do that we would do them consistently, we would do them joyfully, and that we would get to see you work. God, there are people that are, names that are coming to our minds right now of lives that we wanna see changed by the gospel. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would show up and change lives. There are issues and challenges in our community, in our society that, that we pray that you would make right. They were things that were broken by the fall and we wanna see you make it new. Would you do that through us? as we just faithfully obey, as we honor the name of Christ, as we bless each other, would you do that in and through us and among us? And may you get the glory for every good thing in Christ's name, amen. Would you guys stand? We're gonna close, close with a song this morning and just wanna invite you, if, if there's something on your heart that, that you, you wanna respond to, you're convicted by and you wanna talk through with, with one of our pastors, we'd love to do that. You can text the word respond to this number or you can just find us out in the hallway afterwards. Um, but we just wanna encourage you to continue to meditate on this as we, as we sing and as we leave from here and um, be responsive to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in your hearts this morning. Let's sing.